Hi, I'm Nana Unkwe. And I'm Rosemary Unkwe. And you're my mom. <laughs> and she's my daughter. Yep. And this is Don't Tell Your Mother. everyone uh welcome back to the podcast today we're talking about afrofuturism black sci-fi and people of color in sci-fi so to start off i thought i'd do a quick little refresher on what sci-fi or what afrofuturism is yes because i didn't even know what that word meant it's been around for a while um it basically is um science fiction and fantasy that imagines uh a world or a future where Black people are kind of in in the forefront um, and are responsible for a lot of technological progress. You know, there might be some fantasy mixed in, but it's a really interesting genre and it's done a lot for media throughout the years. Let's talk about the earliest African-American in sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you can start us off a little bit with that. I know that Star Trek was a really big influence in your life growing up and as a young woman. How did, like, how was it watching Star Trek and watching Uhura for the first time on the big, or on the TV screens? We didn't really watch a lot of TV growing up. Oh, and I'm pretty sure in the U.S. they were watching television, at least till midnight. But in Nigeria, TV, TV actually had a beginning time and an ending time. I don't remember TV being on it during the day. I think it only came on in the evenings. Because I think they started with the cartoons, and they did the news, and they played that song. And that song meant that TV was closed, was ending. They had this little person in a bed, and they pulled the covers up. When they finished that song, TV was over. I think it was like 9 o'clock, maybe. And Star Trek played there. Or did you only watch it when you were in America? I never remember Star Trek when I was in America, in the United States. And I loved Uhura. Yes. And she was played by Nichelle Nichols, who is still a legend today. She's 87. She's amazing. 87. Um, And she did amazing things on the show. I know that a lot of people felt inspired by her work. I think even there was a Black astronaut, a Black female astronaut that saw um, Nichelle Nichols on TV and was like, that's what I want to be. And then, lo and behold, they went to space. Well, one thing I didn't know until recently, I didn't know that she was only going to do Star Trek for a little while. She was getting ready to resign. And she was at a NAACP meeting. And they, were, and they said, someone's waiting to meet you, one of your biggest fans. And she looked up, and it was Martin Luther King. She was like, what? He was, he's like, you must not quit. We need you to stay here because we, you're an example. You're a mentor for so many young children and women. And that's how she ended up staying. She, she had already got her notice ready to quit. That was kind of an interesting tidbit. Yeah, that's amazing. And she was, um, was she one of the first um, Black women in sci-fi that you saw on TV? I know there might have been other programs. Oh, yeah. No, I think she's definitely, that was that was the first person I remember. And um, when she retired, she ended up volunteering with NASA. That's when I think she crossed paths with the astronaut you mentioned. And met Barack Obama um, while he was president. And someone had told her that he had a crush on her was younger when she met him she asked him and he said yes i did 
Every everybody loved her. She just had such a cool personality. I mean, she was so cool on the show too. I think there was um one episode where it was one of the most famous episodes um and like controversial during the time, I believe. Uh was where she and William Shatner. William Shatner had a kiss. And it was the first interracial kiss that was shown on TV and it almost wasn't shown, I think the producers were against it, and then William Shatner did a bunch of bad takes where there were other people he was uh, supposed to kiss, other actresses, and he kept doing it wrong. And the only good take was with Nichelle Nichols, Uhura. So they went with that one, and that was, you know, legendary on TV during the time. She paved the way, like you said, for so mm-hmm. many other sci-fi African-American actors. Definitely. Star Trek as a series really does, too. I mean... You have the original, and then you have the next generation that had a lot of famous Black actors that started on that show or were in that show and then went off to do, went off to inspire kids. I remember I saw LeVar Burton when he was in Reading Rainbow and then learned that he was in Star Trek before that. And yeah, he's inspired a whole generation. Oh, yeah. I love LeVar Burton. So cool. And then Michael Dorn, who's Worf. And then Whoopi Goldberg, too. I've seen her in a couple episodes. Star Wars also inspired a lot of people that weren't used to seeing um, Black actors in major movies. And Star Wars was a major movie franchise. Huge. I remember when that came out. Yeah. And then you have Billy D. Williams, who was Lando Calrissian. And then you look at the new generation of movies that came out. Ahura in those series that it's played by Zoe Saldana, and she's a major force in science fiction movies today. I always see her. She's been in Star Trek. I saw her in Avatar. She's been in Guardians of the Galaxy. And you're seeing more um, Black women in sci-fi. Avengers. Yes, Avengers. Um, even the newest Star Trek series, Star Trek Discovery, that features uh, a Black female actor in the leading role as well. So much more know more in depth definitely i think they've always been there but it's just you know people being receptive to showing black actors in you know these roles whereas before they might have been like oh well we don't know it might be controversial but now it's let's let people actresses and actors have these platforms and then you have star wars too the newest star wars with my friend my son john boyega nigerian british they call him or british nigerian Mm -hmm. I just love how he imitated his dad's voice when he told his dad he got the role. And he's like, congratulations. What is this? What is this Star Wars? It's really go- he's really going places. Oh, yes, definitely. He helped produce Pacific Rim 2. He was in Pacific Rim 1. Wow. And he helped produce the second. That's amazing. I remember I saw him on this weird British movie. It was called Attack the Block. And it was like this thing where aliens came from space. And it was amazing. And I'm like, this actor is so good. And the next thing I know, he's in Star Wars. And I'm like, wow, okay. (laughs) This is incredible. He stepped out. His father wanted him to be a pastor, but he was like, okay. If you want to go into this field, fine. So maybe we should talk about different sci-fi movies and TV shows that we've seen just kind of recently. I've seen a lot um, showing up on Netflix and Hulu and even cable TV. But the one that we really like is Black Lightning. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? I love Black Lightning. Um... Just such a nice, powerful series that just shows, you know, 
a lot of strength. Um, Chris Williams, Jefferson Pierce, he's like the, the principal, but he's like also a black superstar saving the world. You know, I really like that. And he has that teacher aspect that you love. Of course. <laughs> Educating. And then his wife is a, a doctor, scientist, all these PhDs. And their children are just mm-hmm. amazing, brilliant and smart. And they have superpowers. Yeah, they're all superheroes. <laughs> the most important part. Why can't we have that? I love a good story that also has, you know, elements of sci-fi and, you know, the supernatural. And it's cool. To, it's really exciting to see black roles in those spheres. And then, of course, we have Raising Dion. Oh, and I think you watched a couple yeah. of those. I didn't watch that one yet. But I remember that when that trailer came off on YouTube, like this short little trailer of this indie filmmaker who was like, here's a little trailer for a movie that could happen. And it's this young black boy doing all these supernatural tricks. And now it's on uh, Netflix. And that's just kind of amazing to see that people are looking at indie filmmakers and noticing them and saying, okay, let's give them a platform to show their work. You yesterday? It's directed by Spike Lee. So the two characters are these two teenagers that are really brilliant, and they develop a time machine. The girl, Eden Duncan, is called C.J. Walker. <laughs> and her best friend is Sebastian, who's Dante Piccolo. And the thing I like about them is they're time traveling, but they're also dealing with race relations. I mean, the whole Black Lives Matter issue. And I, I mean, I just think he just wove it so nicely into a storyline oh definitely i think it's something that black sci-fi does like really well that it focuses on um these futuristic and amazing aspects but also it focuses on um like common day um struggles that black people go through like racism and um police brutality and it does it in this um this different way and I think it's it um is a very unique lens in how it does so. We have to mention the big blockbuster film, Black Panther. Oh yeah, so that goes into the Afrofuturism aspect of things. We were so excited when we we all went to watch the movie as a family. Some some friends came mm-hmm. along too, but it was just like <laughs> we wore African shirts, African clothes. I think you had a head tie. We were showing we out. Were like we went hard. <laughs> we were. And it's so nice to see Chadwick Boseman and Lupita Young. I've never wow. heard of them. Yeah, and then you had Angela Bassett, who you, you definitely knew about. My sister. <laughs> and Michael B. Jordan, of course. It was just it was just done so well, and I think it just showed Africans such good light. It's, you know, we're always looking at all those sad stories of poverty and hunger, and you know, and now you just they just flip the switch, like oh, it's moving uh, this country in Africa's multimillionaires and they have all this brilliant technology. I love the technology thing they brought in. Really, really love that. Part. Yes. Love it. And it's shined a lens on Africa now. Like people are excited about African culture, which I have never seen. I mean, we I I grew up as a Nigerian American. You grew up as a Nigerian American. And I've seen people being interested in, you know, Jamaican culture a little bit. But this is the first time people have been, you know, blasting West African, Nigerian singers. People are talking about going to Africa, like moving, because, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's amazing in Africa. And I think it's a great opportunity for African-Americans because they can experience a culture where it's all black people. And 
that doesn't happen in America. In America, it's a lot of racism and struggling with that. But in Africa, you know, that's not that's not the thing that people have to worry about. Exactly. I remember when you guys went to Nigeria, you were so shocked to see the Nigerian president. And you're like, the president is black. I mean, this was like in the 90s, way before Barack Obama. But we were like, oh, yeah, we didn't even think to tell, talk to you guys about that. So, yeah, just, oh, yeah, the president's speaking and all his cabinet members. And, and, and you guys were like, and everyone is black. Every single person. And I think it's also um, showing African technology, too, things like Black Panther. Because Africa is, you know, a country where people are coming out with new technologies, new innovations, And people are kind of tuned into that right now. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So, we could talk about kind of the pioneers of Afrofuturism. Octavia Butler... She was a black sci-fi writer. She wrote some amazing Afrofuturism works. One of them I read, it was called Kindred, and it dealt with sci-fi elements, but also the racism of, you know, uh, slavery. And it was very intense. A very intense read. I recommend it, but I also recommend, you know, taking breaks while reading it, because it is something. And she's just, um, she passed away. Um, but the work that she did for um, black sci-fi and Afrofuturism is, I mean, still renowned today. You like a book that deals with Afrofuturism, but also focuses on Nigeria and Yoruba culture. Oh, you want to talk about yes, yes, that book? Nnedi Okorafo. She wrote a book on Children of the Blood and Bone, and she wrote the sequel. The thing I really liked about her was that she described different um, cities, you know, gave them their names, but she changed the way they looked and made it so sci-fi-ish, and, but also pulled into um, African culture and cult deities and things like that, which is so interesting because I was talking to someone the other day and they were saying that people don't realize that the Greek mythology, like Africa has a full rich mythology of its own oh, that yeah. people don't even know about and uh it's just it's so fascinating so i like how she pulls that in together i think it's gonna i think her book's gonna be in yeah they're making it into, into i think a tv series right now on hbo i don't know how things are with you know covid um but they were planning on making right. it into a tv series so i think that's still in the works yeah so that'll be another new addition to afrofuturism on you know tv screen so people can watch Oh, and there was this other oh, one that came out. I forget. Oh, Lovecraft Country. We talked a little bit about that. I haven't seen it oh, either. I didn't see that one. It just came out only a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. And it focuses on, mm-hmm. you know, racism in the 1950s, but also Lovecraftian horror. 
So it's a really interesting blend of the mm-hmm. two. And you do want to talk about Latin, Latino people in sci-fi? Because I've been, I was in Mexico for the last seven months. I would like to definitely bring in more um, Spanish cultures and how they're also, you know, they're people of color. And I really want to focus on other cultures as well in the near future. So hopefully we can bring in more things, mm-hmm. more um, cultures like this. Yeah. Um, and talk about, you know, the history in America and abroad about, you know, sci-fi and different communities. Yes. Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. Yes. I never knew he was Mexican. Really? Oh, well, we want, uh, have you seen any of his works? Didn't we watch Pan's Labyrinth together? Oh, I love Pan's Labyrinth. That's one of my was favorite that the one I was crying? movies. Oh, yeah. It, was, it has a very sad ending. <laughs> but it's Hellboy, Pacific movie. Rim. Yeah, you the love Shape Hellboy. of Water. Oh, Shape yeah. of Water was something. <laughs> Did you watch that? Did we watch that together? Uh, probably. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Not the movie you watch with your mom, but that's what we do on Don't Tell Your Actually, Mother. Actually, no, I don't think we watched that one together. Are you sure? I think we did. <laughs> probably. I think we did. I think it was in the living room in the old house. Maybe we watched it if separate yeah, I think we were both like, he can <laughs> at certain parts. <laughs> probably. Yep. Um, yes, I had no idea he was. He was Mexican, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's done mm-hmm. a lot of work for sci-fi yeah. and fantasy. Yeah. I mean, he's one of my favorite um, filmmakers. I followed nice. his work since um, Pan's Labyrinth, and now he's done uh, Pacific Rim. I think The Shape of Water won a mm-hmm. lot of awards. Wow. Um, one of my friends was telling me that um, sci-fi, science fiction movies used to be a big deal in Spanish culture for like mm-hmm. this is like in the 40s i never knew that yeah like it was a, it was a very big deal and we don't you know we don't think about the the modern we think more about the modern people but i you know i remember some of the, the older older generation of, of spanish actors mm-hmm. like martin sheen martin sheen think about. he's mexican he's he's half half spanish oh and they have um spanish and irish James Olmos, I remember him. I really liked a lot of movies he was in. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he was in um, that one sci-fi series, Battlestar Galactica, right? Yeah. yeah you talked about a couple of um, new people, though, Nana. Who did you mention? Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, yeah, Michelle Rodriguez. She's in Avatar. She does a couple of sci-fi things. I think she stays in the action realm, mm-hmm. but she also... Um, delves into sci-fi works and she's another major actress that's you know getting a lot of notice yes Gina Torres oh Gina Torres yes I mean we love her I we oh. I think we watched Firefly together we watched Serenity together of course and they were amazing amazing works so when you look at you know sci-fi that features black characters that reflects the current racism and the history of racism in America, and exactly. it serves a re- critique of racism. And then looking mm-hmm. at Afrofuturism, however, that looks toward a f- potential future or an alternate world where Black people aren't encumbered by you know, the effects of racism. And it's more of an idealized vision of what could be for Black people in America. Love it. 
Once again, thank you for listening to our podcast. This is Rosemarie Unkwe signing off. This is Nana Unkwe signing off. And I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you.